Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Radio Show, number 30. This interview is with Vincent Duteau, Associate Professor at the ESG Business School in Paris, and is specialized in the world of e-commerce. With 10 years spent in Canada, and now based in Paris, Vincent has a very wide-ranging understanding of e-commerce. In this interview, we look at the major trends, the challenges, and how business models are evolving in e-commerce. Borderline Gen Y, Vincent is sharp as tax. I'm sure you'll enjoy hearing his perspective. Let's cut to the interview. Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Minter Dialogue Radio Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, and I'm author of the blog, themindset.com. That's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. So let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Minter Dialogue radio show. It's been a while. I haven't had a, an, an interview recently, um, but I, I've, I finally found a great reason, and, and uh, it's because I met someone called Vincent Dutot, who is an associate professor at ESG, and also uh, was a teacher in my old hometown in Montreal, in Laval, uh, where he did his doctorate. Um, so, Vincent, explain us who you are and what you do. Uh, so, hi, uh as you just said, I mean, I'm French-born. I spent almost 10 years in Canada doing my MBA and a PhD specialized in e-commerce and e-business. And right now I'm back to France uh, teaching for the ESG management school uh, all the classes linked to e-commerce, e-business strategy. All right, so 10 years ago you got into e-commerce. Why? Well, I mean, the idea was, you know, it was quite new at that time. So, you know, all the companies, all the people wanted to at least start their own company on the web. Uh, as I did. I mean, I created my own company 10 years ago uh, just to try. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea was, you know, if you want to talk about it, first you should learn about it. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to specialize in it. Well, I mean, more than learn, you actually do it. I think that's the, it's the fact of, you know, dirtying your hands and, and actually checking out keywords and knowing how to do it. Gosh, it makes you so much more credible. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you're right. I mean, when you are on the E or on the Internet, you have to try. I mean, and the best way to succeed is trying. I mean, you know, failure is probably best than success and I mean I've known a lot of failures myself so I mean I can teach about all the bad experiences I had yeah it's certainly the best uh, teacher in the world I I agree with you 100% on that having done failures myself all right so one of the amongst the things you look at uh, we look at um, uh, the trends which are happening so let's just talk uh, first of all what do you see are are, when you look at Amazon Vente Privé the big ones what do you see as the 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 latest trends coming from the market okay I mean you you took Two good examples. I mean, Amazon is one of the leaders, if not the leader in e-commerce in the world. I mean, and actually they're changing quite a few times their business model. At first, they were just selling books on the web. Now they are the best in affiliation process. So, I mean, you just buy your book, they recommended you to other books. I mean, same stuff. Von Privé is doing almost the same stuff. Uh, I mean, understanding and knowing better their customers and listening to their customer to adapt the product, the sales, based on what you want to do and what you find and whether you search on Google, on YouTube, all the stuff you make. Mm-hmm. And thanks to that data, mm-hmm. we propose you the best product you want. Yeah, well, I, I certainly see the, that similarity of figuring out and circling better around the needs of their clients. But the things I, I see which uh, are, are striking is this notion of, of e or uh, 
more a brick. So you've got some, you've got most now big brick companies that have gone into e-commerce. You've got now some e-commerce that are actually moving back into brick. How do you see that moving around? I mean, you're right. Uh, just to to go back to the first thing you said. I mean, in the e-commerce, we we see we saw that change. It's starting from e-commerce, then the WeCommerce, and now it's a me-commerce. So it's just listen to what I really want, and based on that, you show me the best product. Uh, and you talk about the example of companies, e-companies going on a break. I mean, you have this example of Dell. I mean, for I mean, there was the first company to sell their computers only on the web. Now they are coming back and actually opening stores to sell and to show their products. Amazon is thinking the same stuff. Right now opening, you know, shops to show the uh, Kindle stuff. Because mm-hmm. people, they want to touch a product, you know. Selling on the web is the first channel ever where you buy something but you don't touch it. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you spend the money and you didn't have the product. They're quite new for most of the people we know. Well, especially when you think of like, something like shoes and Zappos and how they manage to sell shoes without putting them on. I, I can't imagine Cinderella in that situation. I mean, you're totally right. I mean, and some products are totally based on the web. You want to buy a song, I mean, you have iTunes, some stuff like this. It's quite easy. You want to buy a book, I mean, you probably, you don't have any troubles about it. You want to buy shoes, you want to buy clothes. I mean, you, you, you want to buy glasses, well, you still have to think about the products. So companies have to think also about the same stuff. I mean, if the customers we have are, you know, more willing to touch the products, maybe you have to think about the shop. Mm. All right, so let's let's look at the big boys. Uh, you know, at least in the states or in North America, with uh, Shoppers Drug Mart uh, in Canada or Walmart yeah. and so on, and company in the, in the states battling up against Amazon. How do the, how do you see that uh, battle going on? I mean, I I don't. I mean, you we you all know uh, Barnes and Nobles. I mean, one of the biggest companies selling books in the world. I mean, when Amazon launched, I mean, its first website. Is aware. I mean, we know how to sell books. I mean, we could do the same stuff on the web, and it was failure. I mean, I think they changed their website four or five times in the last, in the first two years, because they didn't find the right business model and the right way of selling stuff. And you talk about Walmart, uh, the worldwide leader in you know, selling products. Um, on the web, they are still doing some stuff. They are more investing in IT, you know, in huge systems uh, linked to Procter & Gamble. I mean, you know, the first, you know, client of uh, Walmart is Procter & Gamble. So, I mean, they are actually more dealing about, you know, um, enhancing the relationship between this company and the provider and all the companies linked to this company more than on the web. Yeah, which is very different from an Amazon, which is... Which, which can affiliate with everybody, and everybody's my partner. And so, I mean, of course, in terms of uh, size differential, it's one to four in terms of size. Uh, but then, you know, the thing that strikes me about, about this uh, is that we've got everyone running on. I'm, I, I sort of made a rough calculation. There must be something around 500,000, 600,000 e-commerce sites around the world. Uh, that was my, you know, pie-in-the-sky guess. There's no figures on that. But um, the the and and there's even less figures on the profitability. But Amazon's public; they publish it, and they are running around in low, low single digits in their profitability. How do you see profitability if Amazon's doing so, or at least keeping it so low? I should say probably because they do it on purpose with Kindle and so on. Uh, but how do you see profitability evolving uh, for these big players? I mean, you too. Amazon is quite you know one of the few examples of company who actually succeeded. Facebook is. I mean, we could maybe try to compare this, but we all know about Groupon, right? You know, this first company, like, buying stuff. And, I mean, it's still, 
you know, it doesn't make any profit. I mean, see it lose money more than it makes money. So it's always difficult to find the right business model and to make it to be profitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, I would say, brick company who are going on the web, they have to think about this profitability. But maybe, I mean, if they really want to go on the web, maybe they shouldn't take into account you know, this kind of profit, for profitability on the right. web because it's going to cost probably much more money at the beginning than they will gain into the company. So it's always difficult. Amazon, they have the experience. They are the leader. So they can make changes. Mm-hmm. And they can see the result quite easy and quite fast. Uh, for uh, Vente Privé, I would say almost the same stuff. But if you are an SME and you want to start on the web, I mean, think about it as, do I make enough profit or do I enough money to be on the web? Or, I mean, is it a good idea of going on the web? Well, I think the, the point would be for me, uh, do I have enough resources and specifically the culture inside my company that's going to enable that cross-channel sale to happen fluidly and maintain, for those who are there, uh, a com- customer centricity that keeps the customer experience being good? If I don't have that, then, well, I think the, the hard thing maybe, first of all, is to just make an assessment about who you are, mm-hmm. what your company is capable of doing before even thinking about, well, am I going to make money on this? Because if you don't, then it's unlikely that you will come out of it successfully. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, you have to think about first your resources. I mean, do I have experience? Do I have people who can just help me going on the web and doing the stuff right? Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, you have to listen to your customers. You know, right now we have this concept called social CRM. It's, I mean, you listen to all the social networks you are on, so LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and you just you know, hear about what the customers are saying about your company, about your products, about the new trends. And based on that, you develop your new products. I mean, so listen to your customers. Right now, they are, I would say, directing the, I mean, they are deciding for you. So if you listen to this, I mean, you know, digital natives, people, you know, under 18 who are spending most of the time on the computer, on the social networks, you have to be aware of what they're saying, what they're doing. So think about social CRM. Well, I, you know, the funny thing about social CRM, it's a big buzzword. You've got, uh, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. The first point is just actually the best part of social is listening. But today what I see is, I, I mean, people are, are constantly struggling to make the link because CRM already... I can say, from my experience, is not a a well-dominated topic in most large organizations. Afterwards, add into the social, I mean, you're exploding a bomb. Do you have any examples of of social CRM, either tools or companies doing it well? I mean, uh, as you say, I mean, that's the best. So, I mean, companies thinking about it. I mean, actually, I'm directing a study right now on social CRM for company. So, we are actually thinking about, you know, uh, which, which channel is the best for you. So, do you prefer Facebook or I mean do you enjoy you know, the uh, I would say interaction on your YouTube or on LinkedIn so thanks to that you can adapt your strategy but the idea is right now I mean you have to listen to your customers but as we all know uh, on let's say 100 comments on the web you have maybe 20 or 25 different people so it's not 100 different people who are actually doing their 100 different comments mm-hmm. so you know that most of the time that's people who have bad experiences about your product. Mm-hmm. So it's, as you said, difficult to understand well CRM and adding these social things is, I mean, you just put maybe one or two more difficult steps into using social and web as a good way. Yeah, so Vassal, I know that you are a, a uh, you speak a lot about uh, ROI in your way. Tell us about your spin on how do we get to ROI? Uh, yeah, Return I mean, on investment. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
return on investment is more, probably, the, I would say, the most difficult thing on the web. Because we, you, when you start a new channel, when you want to sell product on a new thing, you always have to think about, I mean, did I make the right investment? And when you want to talk to your CEO or CIO, I mean, to say, I need or more your shareholders. Yes, or your shareholders. And I mean, I need more money. But first, can you tell me if you help us, the company, to gain more money? Uh, on the web, it's quite difficult. I mean, if you invest in IT, like we say, huge system, you know that it took from three to five years, you know, before having this, what we call ROI. On the web, uh, I would say the first year, don't think about making any money. After this, maybe you could think about, you know, gaining investment, gaining money, thanks to your new channel and new selling products. So I would say one year for web and huge system from three to five years. And I know that you are not a, as big a fan of ROI as, a, as an ROA. Tell us about your ROA concept. I mean, in France, it's quite new. In the United States, I mean, return on attention is quite, I mean, something we talk about. Uh, in France, I would say that um, maybe one or two people are actually talking about this. I did one post, uh, as I told you, on e-commerce mag, if you want to see it. Um, the idea is, you know, when you are going on the web, you, you don't know if the video you post on YouTube is generating sales right now in two weeks or in six months. So uh, talking about return investment, it could be difficult. Thinking about this attention thing is, did I create a buzz? I mean, uh, do people, I mean, are they talking about my company? Are they talking about my products? I mean, positively or negatively. So it could be bad comments or good comments. But on the web, we don't matter about this. I mean, you are still there talking about your company. So you are doing your best. You have the attention about your company. So in a way, you're doing the good stuff. One of the things that uh, strikes me, of course, when we're talking about uh, return on attention or, or anything to do with the customer, the customer loves e-commerce in part because on a Saturday morning before the kids wake up, I can go and do my shopping. Only problem is uh, in corporations, we tend to work Monday through Friday and depending on the country, 35 hours or not, how do we cross that uh, bridge? I mean, for a big company, as we talk, Amazon, I mean, they are worldwide, so they don't mind if you are in France and you are, you know, from 8 to 5. So big companies, I would say, are there that kind of advantage. I mean, they are quite used to, uh, you know, worldwide, you know, yeah, our... They're set up with a 3, three by 8 uh, system, 25 around the world, 24 hours around the world. Yeah. That, that helps by having offices in, in Bombay and, and Luxembourg and so on. But um, it's not the case for everybody, so... I mean, you're right. I mean, for a brick and mortar company or, or classic company, I mean, they're probably going to say, I mean, your produce, you won't have it after maybe before two or three days because we received your order, but we're going to process it tomorrow morning. So the website is still open 24 hours a day, but the process, the shipping process, delivery, delivery process, I mean, we're going to do it based on the post, you know, hours right. from 8 to 5. And customer services according to when people are in the office. Yes. I mean, so... Uh, Probably, I would say, the culture will have to change. And think about, I mean, even if I work from 8 to 5, probably, I mean, the office have to work from 5 to 8 the next morning to, to be, as you said, related to uh, the hours you work. So based on that, probably going to see a shift for, I would say, all the company delivery system like UPS or all that stuff and adapt their way of doing business 
thanks to the new apps, new apps of uh, customers. Well, that's going to be, uh, I would say, somewhat of a revolution if we talk about our home country in France. Yeah. I mean, of course, yeah. I mean, in France, we know we are like this 35 hours a week. So, I mean, from... That's, that, of course, is with tongue-in-cheek. Of course, of course. So, from 8 to 5, and that's it. And you don't have to work after 5 p.m. So, that could be quite difficult, I mean, but right now, I mean, shops are, for some open on Sunday. So that's the first shift. So you can still buy some stuff on Saturday on Sunday. But as you say, you are doing e-commerce business, you will have to think about you not know, changing your hours of commerce and changing your hours of you know, shifting delivery on that stuff. You're totally right. I don't hear a lot of people talking about that. I, I mean, it's sort of a little bit of the pink elephant in the, in the room. And, and then beyond that, and we do talk about it a lot, but we don't come up with any great ideas, is this mix between personal and professional. And especially, we were talking about before, social CRM, it's, it, it strikes me as um, impossible to, to consider social CM without being personal. So we've got Saturday morning but before 8 o'clock, our personal lives. I don't see how clearly we can operate e-commerce, especially in countries where they consider that a major no-no. You're right. I mean, and one of the few things we see is, I mean, the shift. We talk about digital natives, so, you know, younger people who are, I mean, who are actually doing all their lives on the computer. So even if, or I mean, even when you are at work, during the lunch break, you can shop. I mean, you have your apps on your mobile phone. I mean, you don't take any break for smoking cigarette right now. You're doing this to check your emails, to check your Facebook status and change all the stuff and probably same stuff shipping or shopping online i mean so uh, i'm probably going to see a shift you know in your i would say hours of work and maybe you'll be working later at home but in the same stuff you'll be, show, you'll be doing your shopping during your hour at work well, i think it's strategic that my i'm i'm a hundred percent anyway i think for the the fulfillment of, of employees the ability to work at home is going to be key all right tell us about what do you believe are the big trends of the future or at least as we future being not too far off because we can't tell that far away what do you see as the big trends i mean uh, i would say two or three good trends one, we said the first one, quite easy, the cloud computing. I mean, we all know about Dropbox. We all know about huge companies like Amazon, EC2, where, I mean, Google, Windows, they all start their cloud computing systems. Uh, you talk about, you know, those, all of those companies are American. Or, you know, and we are in both, I mean, North America, and we spend time over there. So, we you know, and the idea for, I would say, European country, uh, France, you have to think this example, could be quite difficult to understand cloud computing because of the privacy and the security of the data in there. Um, the right now, one of the good things, or the, I mean, the, the thinking, or is um, do we develop our own cloud system in Europe to help and to protect companies about their data? Uh, I, I have this good example about Airbus. You know, the, the main competitor is uh, Boeing, uh, and I would say Amazon, Google. They all want Airbus to put their data on their cloud systems. But I mean, Patriot Act, the American government, if Airbus put all of its data on Amazon and Google, the American government can get into all this data, put all the things they want, and giving them to Boeing. So the idea of, I would say, private, private cloud system or European cloud system have to be thinking in Europe, but also in the rest of the world. So first, cloud computing systems, I would say. Is it... Is it possible to come back, do you think, today with a, a, a system that will compete? 
I hope so. I mean, they can. I mean, when you have huge company like Airbus and they want to create their own system, they have the money, they have the skills. So they're probably going to be able to develop their own systems. And, I mean, Google, Amazon, of course, they are the leader in there. But for small companies or for big companies, when they have the skills, they're going to do their own stuff. Of course, they'll be protecting their data. But the idea is I still want to be, you know, responsible for data. And I want to be sure no one enter and get into and modify the data I can put on the teams. So in your mind, um, this Airbus system, would it be something that would be, a, a, you know, Airbus drive uh, and every Airbus flight, maybe, <laughs> maybe better, a little bit closer. Uh, would that be something that, that would operate at the same level as uh, Microsoft's or everyone else's? I mean, maybe not. I mean, the idea is probably, you know, just private systems. So Airbus and all the companies linked to Airbus company, they have, you know, the, the skills and the money to do so. And I would say maybe after, you know, for each country, like France could develop their own cloud system and all the SMEs and all the enterprises wanted to use it could use it. Uh, the idea is we don't have here in France the same you know, kind of system that Google or Amazon can have. Think about huge French company or huge German company. Maybe they could do this. That'd be interesting. All right, so what other trends do you see out there? Okay, uh, second one you say quite easy, same stuff, M-commerce. I mean, using your iPhone uh, you know, or your iPad to get in touch with customers. You know what we say? You know, operating and linking to be linked every time, at every moment, to the customers. And now, based on the geolocalizations, all that stuff, we are able to see the customer, let's say, a meter away. So when he's just walking on the street, you can go across Fnac or Amazon or any shop you want, and you just receive an SMS. Well, you're not going to see too many Amazon stops uh, on the way. But... Maybe in the next future. I mean, we right. talk about trends. Maybe yeah, Amazon right. will be yeah. opening its shops, and why not? And you did talk about Kindle. Yes. So, but the idea is... Now we can do this. And the idea is you receive an offer, like they say, 50% discount for a product. You're going to buy it. So, you know, generating more sales by using your, the only way you have to be linked to. I mean, people, they are actually sleeping with their iPhone. They don't want to, be, they don't want to lose any contact. So that's the best way now to get in touch with customers. So using this as a new trend. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you, if you think about it, versus the iPad as of today, the, the difference for me and, and the sort of aha moment is that your iPhone is actually still a phone. And, and so not only will you also type on that small, ridiculous little keyboard to do your little order and, and click on the, you know, a buy, but you can also then click through and call to make the, the sale or the purchase, as opposed to an iPad where you're going to stick it to a web interface the whole way through. So, I mean, of course, mobile uh, is huge and, and uh, there's a lot to say about that. Are any other trends you see? Okay, um, one of the, I would say, a few, few things I really do enjoy is virtual communities. I know we talk about social CRM, we talk about companies, you know, and one of the main, I mean, biggest problem is to get a community around their product, about their brands. So think about virtual communities. Gathering people about a common interest is probably the best way to generate more sales. Um, the first virtual community were in the health, no care. Uh, I have troubles for my health, so I do, I would say, I give my experiences to other people and we talk about these kind of troubles. And companies like you know, Pfizer, they understood quite well the symptoms. They're going to 
be on those virtual communities selling their products. Uh, Procter & Gamble, uh, they have huge virtual communities for developing their new products. Even for us guys. Yes, indeed. I mean, so that's this way, I think, is a good way for companies to listen to your customer and be sure you have the right customer about your company. And after this, you can propose, you know, uh, of course, a discount about products and all that stuff. So sure. I would say virtual communities is for me, I mean, one thing I'm really working on. And I would say in the near future for all companies who want to succeed on the web. All right. Well, talk us about uh, another virtual community that's sort of on the lips of everybody. Pinterest. To do or not to do? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't have my, put my mind on it. I mean, I don't know what to do. Uh, we have no discuss thing. Pinterest, Instagram, all that new trends. I mean, probably going to be like, you know, shit, real shit. I mean, yeah, that's great. That's good now. But I mean, too, there is... A right business model? I'm not sure. I mean, you pin something. That's it. Of course, affiliation process is quite good with this kind of company. They are doing actually more affiliation process than Google Plus and LinkedIn combined. So Pinterest could be good if you want to do this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But for a company, if you have to choose between Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Pinterest, Instagram, I mean... Don't think about Pinterest as your first social network you want to come in. Right, that's a well-said statement. Vincent, all right, any, any parting words, and uh, how do we get in touch with you? Uh, LinkedIn, as I told you, I mean, I have this, uh, my LinkedIn account. I will create my own website probably in, in, in summer, so I will give you my, my address. And, um, I mean, as I told you, I'm an expert on the e-commerce magazine. And just, you know, make a search on Google, you find me. Vincent Duto, uh, thank you very much to have you on board. Uh, a, uh, it's wonderful to chat with you about this wonderful topic, and I hope we'll have uh, many more. Hope so. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue radio show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter. If you like the show, please don't forget to click the handy Facebook like button or tweet it out. And if you speak French, you can find my other French language interviews on minterdial.fr. In the meantime, please come join the conversation at The Mindset or catch me on Twitter at MDIAL. Happy trails. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.